Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I'm thankful for all you guys joining me in my house for church this beautiful Sunday morning in December, getting close to Christmas and our celebration of Christ and His birth and all that good stuff right there. And I just want to welcome you all coming from SoundCloud and all over the world. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And um, thank you so much that you've taken an hour or so out of your day to join us today. So um, anyway, uh, I'm going to get into my thoughts from last week's message. But if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer to help the Lord bless our hearts so that we can understand what He has to say to us today, I would surely appreciate it. Lord, We just uh, I just lift up this service for you, Lord, here today. I just lift up this... All of us here in, this, in our, my home in McKinney, Texas, Lord, I just lift up all those that are coming online and listening from all over the world, Lord, and I just want to lift us all up to you today, Lord, and I just want to ask you to help us, Lord, because, Lord, as your word says, nobody understands your word unless your Holy Spirit speaks to them about it, Lord. So I just ask today for us in this room and us in my home and us online and all the people all over the world that will listen to this message for however long that you'll have it up online, Lord. I just pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to understand these words that I speak today, Lord, because they're not my words that I'm mostly reading, Lord. They're all your words. And so, Lord, I'm just praying that right now I just ask you that you would help us to be able to see clearly, Lord, and understand clearly what you have to say to us, Lord, here today. And um, help us, Lord, to Get, our, get the distractions out of our lives, Lord. Help us not to think about anything else while we're sitting here today listening to your word. And, and help us to just really, really, really understand what you tell us. And not only understand it, but Lord, apply it. Thank you so much for bringing us here today, Lord. And thank you so much, God, that you are God. And that there is only one God. And thank you, Lord God, that you are our Savior and that you are our Lord. We love you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord. And we ask you to, we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, that's where we're going to be in our message today, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Um, I'm not going to teach that just yet. We're going to go through my thoughts on last week's message just really quickly because we've got a kind of a big message this week. But my uh, the section of scripture, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5 is where we'll be. So my thoughts from last week's message first. God's standards for those running his church. From, for my overview this week upon last week's message, I just want to make just some comments about the information that we covered last week, which was mostly what it takes for men to become leaders in God's church. And I, I want to open up with, you know, because I had some commentary and stuff on that message last week, and I want to open up with an apology, just because I know that last week's message was kind of on the dry side. You know, very informational, a lot of, you know, a lot of information, a lot of just technical stuff. And, and I'm even standing up here before you today telling you that I wasn't even really that excited about teaching last week's message today. I mean, you know, I knew what it was and I knew what it had to be taught and I, I knew that's what God word, God's Word said. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't real exciting for me to talk about it, you know. Uh, but I will say this, that although I do apologize and that I wasn't that excited about it, I will say this that I don't apologize to you for teaching you God's Word. It's God's words, and it's God's truths, and it's His Bible, and that's what the sermon really made up, and you know, that was what the sermon consisted of. All of, all of God's Word, all of the Bible, and everything that He has to say is important. Whether or not we may think it's really exciting, or it's really, all oh, right, man, I really love that sermon, it's God's Word, and it's precious, and everything that he has to say to us is important. So here at Gospel Saving Church, as everybody knows, you've probably heard me say it umpteen times, but I teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And that was the section of scripture that came up for me to teach last week. And so although I'm not excited and I wasn't excited about it, and maybe it was a little dull on your end, uh, it was still God's word, and we know that it's inspired by him, 2 Timothy 3.16. So if it's inspired by him, and he wrote it through man, then we know that it's important, and that we know that even though it's a little dry to us, we know it's important to him, so we should make it important to us. You know, most churches today do not teach verse by verse and chapter by chapter. They teach on series, and they teach on you know, uh, topics and stuff. And I don't necessarily dislike these sections, these ways of teaching, but I will say this, whenever you just teach a series or whenever you just teach a topic, you don't get the whole counsel 
of God's Word. I mean, God's Word's a big book. And if you only teach on a series here and, you know, different topics here and different topics there, you don't get all of God's Word. And all of God's Word is important. Not just, you know, not to Him it's important, and it should be if we love Him. So anyway, although I'm sorry about the sermon being a little dry, I'm not sorry God's words are precious and super important to me, and I hope they are to you, and they're important, and I'm going to teach every single one of them, even though they may not be as exciting to us. So anyway, that's my... That's all I have to say, kind of a bigger sermon on the, on the sermon side of things today, so we're going to save most of our time for the end. Uh, the title of our message today, The Great Apostasy. The title, The Great Apostasy. I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, and then I'll go back and then we'll talk about them. So, chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Paul writes, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed, you could say listening to, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and committing or in, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, in our last section of scripture, if you remember, Paul ends by telling us the mystery of faith, or the identity of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Remember 1 Timothy 3.16. I'm just going to read it over here real quick. Paul writes, Right before this, he says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And he goes on to say, which is God manifested in the flesh. So God came down on earth. That's the gospel. God became man and dwelt among us on earth. God God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up in glory. That's the gospel. It tells us that Jesus Christ was God's son, tells us that Jesus Christ was God, that he came, he preached to people, then after he preached, he died, and then he rose again to defeat death. And why do we know he did that? To offer himself for a sacrifice of sins for everybody. So in that section of scripture, Paul tells us the gospel, basically, and the identity of Jesus Christ. Now remember, I talked last week about these truths of God and Christ, which is the gospel and what God did for us, being the very foundation of what the Christian church is supposed to stand on. The truths of God's church. Are, and the church is supposed to stand on and, and lean on these truths at its very basic foundation of who it really is. Well, unfortunately today, as we just read, Paul says there's a time period in which people will fall away from these basic truths as well as other truths of Christ in the Bible. Look at verse 1 again. Paul says to us in verse 1 again, Now the Spirit expressly says that in a latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. He says just that first part though. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith. What is he saying? Explanation. Paul just said that God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, says that in our current time, oh, I'm sorry, I mean in the latter time, in the kind of the end of the world, kind of towards the end of the world, some people will depart or leave, that they'll be in and then they'll leave the biblical faith of Jesus Christ, or you could say what we just read, the truth of the gospel that we just talked about, and you could add to that, who did Jesus teach? He taught his disciples. He taught the apostles. So you could add their teachings as well too because all the apostles and all the doctrine, all the disciples, their teachings were just an extension of what Christ taught in his ministry. So many people will fall away. That's sad. They'll know the faith, be in the faith, and then they'll depart from the faith. Well, that's why... The sermon has the word apostasy in it. In case you weren't, you know, you didn't know, the word apostasy means falling away. And the reason I titled the sermon The Great Apostasy or Great Falling Away is because a great departure or a leaving from the true faith of Christ and the apostolic or biblical teachings is what we see happening right now. And it's what we've been seeing happening in the past. And it's the great apostasy, because it's not just been happening on a little scale, 
it's been happening on a great scale, a huge scale. Now, in case you're wondering, I purposely, yes, did make that accidental slip up when I said our day instead of the latter days because in verse 1, I, I think that the last days are today. I think we're living in the very last days of the world. And I believe that, as the Bible said in the last times, we're going to see this great apostasy. Well, the apostasy's never been greater than it is today. So I believe that the Christian church, the majority of the Christian church, is in the great apostasy. It's in the great falling away from the truths of Jesus Christ. And you will see, as I go along in today's message, this truth that I'm telling you right now. Maybe you didn't know that, but you're going to see this great truth that I'm teaching right now. But the true teachings and faith of Jesus Christ is in a mess today. It really is. If you know your Bible well, then you know that the true teachings and true faith of Jesus Christ are in a mess today. And many of the so-called Christian church and Christian church denominations have fallen away from the, from the simple and true Bible teachings of Christ and the Bible and unto heresy, unto false doctrine, unto an, you know, an apostate belief. So, the apostasy would be a falling away from the true and simple teachings of the Bible and the gospel of Christ that lead people to salvation unto what? What is the opposite of that? Unto false teachings of Christ and false teachings of the Bible and the gospel that do not lead people to salvation. If the gospel is salvation to people, if we don't have the true gospel and if we don't have the true teachings of Jesus Christ, then we don't have the true gospel and we don't have a true salvation to people. There are so many sects of Christianity that have fallen to apostasy that there are so many uh, to even talk about today. So we're not going to get to them all, understand. There's, there's so many and we're not going to get to all of them, but I'm just going to hit the biggest ones today. And these are like the reality of our world today. And if you search this out for yourself and you look at the Bible, you'll see all these you know apostate teachings that are going on right now. So first, I want to cover just a few uh, false teachings that are part of the great apostasy that directly go against Christ being God come in the flesh as I just spoke of. Remember, 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh. That means God Almighty came down and became flesh to mankind. It's 1 John tells us that, and we're going to look now. There's several churches in our world today, large churches, huge churches that teach against this idea. The first one, the Jehovah Witnesses. In case you didn't know, the Jehovah Witness Church teaches that Jesus Christ, who Paul said was God manifested in the flesh, was actually an archangel. That's all he was to them. He was just an archangel. He was a created being by God amongst you know, all their other you know, false teachings and apostate teachings. Jesus Christ to them was an, arch, an archangel, an archangel, and a created being of God. Mormons, or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they teach you that Jesus Christ was a created God. They will even teach you that you or me or anybody can will be a, a God as well too at some point when we die. And we'll even get our own planet after we die, but we'll also become a God. They also teach that Jesus Christ is not really God, as Paul just said here in 1 Timothy 3.16. They teach that uh, he's just a created God, and they also teach that he is Satan's spiritual brother. Yes, that's right. Jesus Christ, they believe, is Satan's spiritual brother. I'm not kidding you on this. Now, remember what I just said. Paul just said that God was manifested in the flesh, which means that God Almighty became a man, the man Jesus Christ. It's our Bible, 1 Timothy 3.16. It's a and it's not just the only place it's written out there, uh, which lines up with Christ with what Christ said in John 10.30. Jesus said of himself, Me and the Father are one. I'm not making that up. Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, Me and the Father are one. Then he goes on to say, John goes on to declare of God in Christ in chapter 1 of his gospel, verses 1 and 2. He says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. Notice the God. Notice there was the Word, and there was the God, and they were together, and they were one. The Word and God were one being. That's what John just told us in his Gospel, chapter 1 and 2. When you go down to verse 14 of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, we read, And the Word became flesh. 
Well, that's what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.16, that the mystery of godliness was God came down and met himself in the flesh, manifested himself in the flesh, which means that Jesus Christ was born God in the flesh, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We go on. Paul says, Romans 9, 5, he says, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally, the, not many, the eternally blessed God. Amen. He didn't say he's one of the many gods. He said he is the the one eternally blessed God. Amen. Now, those are just some of the verses that scream out Christ was God in the flesh. Those are just some of the verses that cry out Christ was God's son. I could literally flood this whole sermon with about a hundred. Because if you do the search, just type in Jesus Christ is God, hundred reasons or hundred Bible verses. There's a there's several, two at least that I know of, of of, of people that love the Bible like I do that have posted scriptures, a hundred or more scriptures that come from the Bible, Old and New Testament, that proclaim Jesus Christ was God. Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. That's not a, if you do the same search, you can find it yourself. Now, with all these verses that teach these things about Christ and God, how could Jesus Christ be a created God or an angel or the brother of Satan like these so called Christian organizations say that he was? I mean, if they're reading this Bible, which they claim to be reading this Bible, how could they come against these simple teachings that are taught over and over and over and over and over again? But he can't. Simply, he can't. They can't be one and the same being, okay? Simply, these organizations teach a false and different Jesus Christ and God Almighty. And they are apostate churches or churches that have fallen away from the true and simple teachings of God's word. And, and, and I don't know if you know this. If Jesus Christ really wasn't God in the flesh come down, like he says that he was, like Paul said that he was, like all these others, John said he was in verse 1, then why would he have received worship? In case you know the Jewish culture, only God can receive worship. Anything else, anyone else that receives worship, of God, like a godly worship, is called blasphemy. Well, Jesus Christ received worship. In Matthew 14, 33, Jesus walks up to his disciples in a boat in the middle of a storm. He gets on the boat, the boat, the wind stop, the seas stop, and they, 14, 33, Matthew, worship him in the boat saying, truly you are the Son of God. So it's no, you know, there's no confusion there. They worshiped him as God. He didn't rebuke them. He said, I'm God. He received worship like God. We know Jesus was a Jew. We know Jesus kept the law of Judaism. We know that Jesus wasn't a blasphemer, and yet he received worship. So when we see that he, we, he received worship and he wasn't a blasphemer, it leads us to the only conclusion, the logical conclusion, that he must have accepted worship because he must have been God in the flesh, like the scripture simply says. But that's not all. There's another major denomination. It's called one, uh, Oneness Pentecostalism. Uh, they deny the Trinity, or God is one in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They say this. They say that Jesus Christ was Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit, and that he was also God Almighty, all in one being, all walking on the planet. And you say, well... I mean, you know, Pastor Ed, I mean, the Bible does say he was God come down in the flesh. How do we know that that's not right? Well, we know that God is one, but three parts, but yet still all one. Nobody understands it, but that's what God tells us in his Bible because of these simple verses. Why is this an apostate teaching? With these simple verses, we know Matthew 26, 36 through 56, if you read it, uh, we know that God is one and in three parts because Jesus Christ was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying, oh, Father, you know, deliver me from this time to come. Well, who was he praying to if he was God Almighty in the flesh? If he was literally, if there was not God one, God in three parts, who was he praying to? His alter ego? Was he throwing his voice to make the disciples think, oh, well, there's somebody else up there? No, he was praying to God. God was in heaven. He was on earth. Uh, if God was not one in three parts, who spoke to Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus was on the mountain, he was with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, all of a sudden a cloud covers the mountain, and a voice speaks from heaven, 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Who was that if Jesus Christ was God Almighty in God Almighty, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And if God was one, and there wasn't one in three parts, then who spoke to Christ and John the Baptist and all the people when John the Baptist baptized them in Matthew chapter 3, verses 17? Jesus comes up, and again, God booms from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And so if Christ couldn't have been himself, God Almighty, and the Holy Spirit all in his being on earth. He had to be the one part of God that God sent himself to earth, although one and the same, all still three parts nonetheless. If God, if Christ, if Christ was not, or if I should say if Christ was all God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, then who would he have gone to heaven to be with? John 14, 28, Jesus says, you have heard me say I'm going away. Uh, and coming back to you, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Well, if he was all one, and God was in him, and he was God, and he was the Holy Spirit, and God didn't exist in somewhere else, and he was all three, then why would he have said, I'm going away to the Father? I mean, it's elementary people, come on. It's not a hard stuff to accept. Uh, God is triune. One God, three parts. Nobody, even me, I've been a Christian for 16 years and I've been born again. I've been saved. I walk with God every day. I don't understand it. I don't understand how God can be one great God, but yet in three separate parts. I can explain it to you somewhat, but I can't really understand it. But you know what? If I have to worship a God I can understand, then I'm really probably worshiping myself or somebody else because I can understand those. How how can we understand the God of all creation who created everything? We just simply can't. So it's easy stuff to comprehend even though we don't understand it. But if just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that we have to make up these teachings so that we can understand it. It's okay to not understand things in the Bible and just read them and say, I can accept that even though I can't understand that. And that's, what our, that's where part of the reason why the false teachings have come in. Well, people can't understand something, so they need to make up something so that they can understand it instead of just accepting it and then just, hey, that's God. Hey, he's God and I'm not going to understand him at all. That's okay. You know, that's okay. But certainly, crazy beliefs, by th- these crazy beliefs by these three different religions and their teachings about Jesus Christ all scream apostasy. The Bible says simply that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. And it simply says that God was still in heaven and Christ was on earth. And it simply says these things. And they scream great apostasy. But the great apostasy doesn't just stop with the falling away from the two teachings of of who Jesus Christ and who God really are. They also roll right into... The, this, the, the, the apostasy of the powerful truths of the fundamental ideas and teachings of the Bible. These are some other great apostate false teachings of our day in the Bible. We have the Catholic and Orthodox religions. And they teach that you can pray to Mary. You can pray to the saints. Which, and then they say that Mary and the saints can mediate you know, for you to God and they can go to God with your prayers and help your prayers get to God because they don't really encourage you to pray to Jesus Christ or to God. They encourage you to pray to Mary of the saints and they are Mary and they are all this other stuff. Yet, 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. No, I mean apostate, apostate, apostate. If the Bible simply says there's one mediator and we have a religion or a belief system or whatever that teaches that there's more, then who's wrong? The people or God? The people or the Bible? Well, I say the people are wrong and the Bible's right. It's as simple as that. Though they also go on to believe that the unleavened bread, just like when we took communion today here at Gospel Saving Church, for you online, we take communion every single Sunday. Well, almost every Sunday, there's been times when we've missed, but almost every single Sunday. Well, they believe that the unleavened bread uh, or the cracker or the wine or the grape juice that are taken with communion actually become the literal body and blood of Christ after the priest or after the minister blesses it. And they use the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 53 to 56, to back it up where Jesus says this. And I can understand how you can get this if you did not take the whole Bible as a whole, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood 
has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood indeed is drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, if you just stop there, absolutely, we better find a way to have eternal life to actually eat Jesus Christ's body and actually eat his blood. We better find a way. But if you just read on, just a little bit, that's why I'm big on context. I constantly talk about context in this church. Constantly read the whole section. Don't just read one verse to to do this. Read the whole section and find out what the Bible's saying. The Bible goes on to say that most of the multitude of his disciples, he had thousands of people that were his disciples other than his 12, most of his multitude of disciples left him because they said, man, this saying's too hard for us. We're not going to eat your blood. You're not going to eat your, your flesh and drink your blood. Man, you're crazy. And they left. Well, then his 12 disciples were still standing there and they started complaining also. So Jesus turns to them. He speaks to him about his resurrection, but then says of the words that he just said about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he says this, John 6 63. Now, that's only like five or six or seven verses away from where I ended on the actual in 56. And he says this, John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. So there, what did he say? He said, hey guys, the words that I told you about, you know, you just eating my flesh and drinking my blood, hey, those were spiritual words. Those weren't like you really had to take a bite out of my arm. I mean, seriously, because once he died, if you took his words literally, there's nobody could bless anything that you could ever have that would actually bring him back to earth. He's dead and been resurrected. He's not here in the flesh anymore. So we would all be condemned past when he was, you know, when he died and crucified because nobody could take a bite out of his arm anyway. But if you took the literal understanding of we must have had and took in a chunk of his flesh and ate it and drank a, a bottle of his blood to really be saved, then he was confused when he gave the first communion in Matthew 26, 26 and 27, look at what he says. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Did he really rip off a flesh, a a bit of his flesh and give it to them and say, Hey, take, this is my body. No, he took a piece of bread and he said, Hey, this is my body. Act like it's my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them and he said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. So the Bible doesn't say he actually ripped off his flesh. And he actually cut himself and gave him the blood to drink. And he could have right then and there if he was being literal in, you must eat my body and drink my blood in order to be saved. Absolutely not. He was he blessed the bread and wine and then called it his body and his blood. The, the bread and wine or grape juice are just meant to represent his body and represent his blood. Anything else is us killing him every single week over and over and over again. We got to crucify him. We got to get his body back. We got to get his blood back and we got to eat it. What is that that when you take somebody's body and blood, you kill them. And the Bible says that he was, he died once for the sins of man, not every single time. So come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is elementary stuff. And this teaching here is an apostate teaching. We cannot just take the words of Jesus and just make whatever. We got to understand what he says contextually and read what he says and understand it as he says it, not how we want to. Just a few more apostate teachings of our day for us to chew on. Many churches, and we've had a sermon on this already, many churches claim to be Christian, yet they make women pastors over the church. Yet Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.12, let not a woman have authority over man. Now, true Christians, as I read it in the Bible, are followers of Jesus Christ and his teachings. So if we're not following Jesus Christ and his teachings and what the Bible says, then the Bible says that we're not really a disciple of Christ. We're not really following Jesus if we're not really following the words of the Bible. That's that one. Apostate, apostate, apostate. So many so-called Christian churches, mostly Baptists or Reformed churches, teach an apostate teaching that people, uh, to people that Christ only died for this group called the elect. This special group called the elect. Well, uh, and that, if that, and if he did that, then that means that he only atoned. His death only made a way for some 
people to get to heaven. Yet, to believe this simple teaching of theirs, you have to ignore one of the most popular verses, a couple verses in the whole entire Bible. Jesus said, John 3, 16 and 17, and I'm going to read it to you even with some words in here. For God so loved the world. Pretty simple enough, but what about that world? What about that word world? Well, it's a Greek word, and the Greek word is cosmos. Does that sound familiar to you? Cosmos? We use the word today in our English. Cosmos means everything, right? Well, the definition of cosmos of the Greek was literally the inhabitants of the earth, men, the human family. For God so loved the world, then you can read that verse like this. For God so loved the whole human family that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, now that word whoever, Greek words, pas or pace, defined as each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, everything, all things. So he gave his only begotten son so that everything, everyone, the whole earth, and the whole earth, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the, into the cosmos, again, world, to condemn the cosmos or world again, but that the world or cosmos again through him might be saved. And people are so ignorant in this apostate teaching, I met a lady at work this week. And she claimed, oh, I thought, well, somebody taught me that the Hebrew word meant, oh, just some. Well, number one, this Bible, the book of John, was not translated from Hebrew. It was translated from Greek. And we have the Greek language. It's in the Strong's Concordance. And we can go look up what the word means. We can go look up the word and we can look it up and find out what the word means. And Jesus said, I came to save everybody in the world. John 3, 16, 17. It's up at every football game practically. Most popular, famous teaching of the Bible ever and all of all forever, right? They also teach this other apostate teaching. They teach once a person gets saved. Once they accept Jesus Christ, once they are born again, once they're saved, that they can never lose their salvation, no matter how they live. No matter even if they go follow the devil again, or no matter even if they do that, they're always saved. Yet, Matthew 24, 13 says, Jesus says, but he who endures to the end shall be, shall be saved. And in our scripture today, if you look back, 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Well, you have to be of the faith before you can depart from the faith. If you work from a job and you get fired, it's called a departure. You have to work for the job in order to get fired from the job. Somebody's not going to be in the faith and depart from a faith if they weren't part of the faith in the begin with, in the begin with. Okay? Really, really simple stuff. There are churches today, apostate, apostate, apostate. They teach this doctrine called health and wealth. These churches believe that God desires that every one of his children never gets sick. Never gets sick. Never gets an ailment. Never, you know, never, you could say, even gets old, even though they don't say that, because age is really our dying. Well, they don't, they say God will die. God doesn't want us to get sick. And he always wants us to be wealthy. That means God always wants us to have all kinds of money and be rich. Yet, if you just go to your Bible and you just read the four Gospels, you can easily see that none of the disciples were rich. And some of the disciples, including Paul, they had ailments. Peter's mother-in-law got sick. So if it's God's will that none of his kids get sick and they're wealthy, why didn't we see God making the disciples fit that pattern? Yet they didn't. But all we have to do is read our Bible and figure out that these teachings are not Bible teachings. Yet, these teachings are accepted throughout the whole country of America, and some of them, probably all of them, bleed into other countries. People got their Bibles on the shelves, or they're only listening to the minister teach them the truth, and they're not just reading the Bible. They're not just reading their Bible for themselves. False teaching after false teaching after false teaching can be found in most churches of our day that claim to be Christian and those that even preach a Jesus Christ. Terrible and so sad. And all of these teachings that I told you today are all apostate teachings or teachings that have fallen away from the simple teachings of the plain understanding of the Bible and who Jesus Christ really is. 
terrible and sad, sad, sad great apostasy that there is, that a majority of Christian churches in this world are in an apostate state right now. And the apostate and false teachings are really so easy to see when you just read your God's Word plainly. Every idea that I discussed today, every idea, every false teaching I discussed today, can my 11-year-old son can understand it just by reading the Bible himself. He didn't have to be a scholar. Yet, this one's going to slay you. God just showed me this one the other day. Most defenders of these apostate churches and their false face of Christ that I mentioned today would all tell you that all the matters that I brought up to you today, all the different doctrines, all the different ways that they believe, all they should all be studied by scholars. They should all be understood by people that really know the Bible really, really, really well. Yet, think about this. If we had to be scholars to study the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 2 and 3, he said, Jesus called a little child to him and he set him in the midst of him. And he said, assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as a little and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, think about that. If Jesus Christ said that people need to be converted and become like little children to enter God's kingdom or heaven, then why would he make his words so complicated that only a scholar could understand it? The answer is, is he wouldn't. The answer is, they're wrong and God's simple truths are right. That's the truth. Children aren't scholars, but they understand simply and they under have an understanding faith and just a simple faith. And that's who God said that we needed to be like in order to get to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if he made his words so complicated that children couldn't understand it, then I guess children aren't getting into the kingdom of heaven. A, which is the false way, or B, his words got to be simple enough for children to understand it, or else, guess what? Nobody's going to heaven. And yet God says in this word, he desires none to perish and all to come to repentance. Now, with all these biblical teachings being so simple, and like I just said with the children, how is it possible that people believe all these false and apostate teachings? How is it so possible? It's just plain, it's right there. How is it possible? How could people be not getting it? Well, Paul tells us in the rest of verse 1 where he says, give, they give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of, the, of demons. So this great apostasy is possible because men and women have not listened to God's Holy Spirit who explains his plain and simple word so that, sim- so that a simple child could understand. And they started listening to the voices and teachings of the fallen angels who followed Satan also called demons in the Bible. I even mentioned this in my last week's overview when I talked about who are people listening to that are making women pastors. First Timothy uh, or First Timothy 2:12 or yeah, First Timothy 2:12 says let not a woman have authority over man. Yet thousands of women are pastors over the world. And I said, who are people listening to that are making women pastors when God's word says no? We know we talked about it. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, God's word is inspired. He wrote it himself. He wrote it through people. And we talked about at that time that God's not going to tell you or me or anybody to go against his teaching and his word. He's not going to do that. He wrote it through people. If he wrote it through people, then that means that he's not going to contradict himself or else God would be a fool and an idiot. And we know that nobody that's a fool or an idiot could have made the wonderful creation that we see. God is an awesome God. He's not going to contradict himself. So people are listening to the wrong spirit. God inspired his word. Now, I could talk a while on a whole bunch of churches. I could talk a while on the Church of Christ and all those that are connected with them, moving on to another apostate teaching, those that are like them, those that have fallen from the grace of God of salvation, and they teach uh, salvation by works. You have to be baptized. You have to do this. You have to do this. You, you can't do this. You have to do that. Yet even though the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There are so many false teachings. There's so, so many false doctrines. I could go on. And I could go on, I could probably teach a sermon on every single one of these false belief systems that I just read today easily and probably have another 10 sermons on this one subject easily. But important part here with all these teachings that I just mentioned, though, 
They all go directly against God's simple but powerful word. Whenever you look at God's just his simple word, they all these teachings go directly against it. And as I said, we know that God would never tell you to go against his word, which makes all these teachings and all these churches that I've told you about apostate churches, ap- teaching apostate or fallen doctrine that's fallen away from the simple truths of God's word. And they're doing it because they're all listening to the doctrines of demons and they're all listening to the fallen angels that are teaching them the wrong things. Pete Paul even tells us how the devil and his fallen spiritual followers are able to bring this apostate teachings into the church. Look at verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own consciences seared with a hot iron. Uh, the devil, you see, gets people to speak lies and in deceit. And really, that word there, when I looked up that word hypocrisy, it would have been better translated deceit in the Strong's. And I don't know why this they had a reason, but when I looked it up, it actually said dissimulation, or which would be deceit. So people, devil gets people to speak deceit after they've what? Seared their consciences with a hot iron. What does that mean? Well, God gave you your conscience to understand, understand things, to know what was right and to know what was wrong. And if you sear your conscience like you're searing a steak on the grill, then you're burning it where you can't, it's, it's, you're trying to kill it. Shh, no, I don't want that on there anymore. And they're searing their consciences, is what Paul said. So the devil gets people to speak lies and deceit, and he gets them to sear their conscience so bad that they can't hear them anymore, and then they can't really tell what's right and what's wrong. So that's the kind of people that the devil's getting. And I, and I want you to think about like this. How could the devil get people? Well, Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, Well, if God does this to find people that love him, if God does this to find you or me or anybody, John Smith or or Joe or Bob or whatever, to find those that are interested in him, well, you better believe Satan does the same thing as well. Satan searches the whole earth to find people who don't love God and aren't interested in God. And he finds those that will work for him against God's kingdom. Those that Paul mentions here that are able to sear or ignore their own consciences that God gave them to know the truth until what? Their conscience is all gone. That's who the devil finds, people that are willing to do that so that they can speak lies to people in order to deceive people from God's simple truth. Because guys, these are simple truths of the Bible. Every single thing that I taught you today is not a complicated doctrine and we don't need to be a scholar to understand that these things are simple People that, he goes on to say, that would not only stomp out their own conscience until they can't hear it anymore and speak lies to deceive people, but they'll also, verse 3, forbid people to marry and command people to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, we know several religions that do that. We know that Judaism still today forbids the Jews, forbids God's people, God's chosen elect Jewish people to eat food that God made that was clean. Catholics, we know, forbid their priests to marry. We know that Seventh-day Adventists, wow, what a church this is. Legalism would capitalize this church all the way at its best. They call eating any time of any type of pig sinful because of God's Levitical law to the Jews is one of the many apostate teachings. And if a, and if a member were to eat pig or order a pizza with pepperoni or sausage on it and get caught then they're ostracizing the church. People make fun of them. People speak of this as a, such a horrible sin. And if they were to keep doing it, they're considered cut off from their members. They, they're considered, they don't, their members won't talk to them. Their families will stop talking to them if they were to eat pig and pork. Yet, Jesus says in the Bible, Mark 7, 19, Jesus declared all foods clean in the Levitical sense in conversation with the religious leaders of his day. And Paul says right here in verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. You can also look to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians 10, 25. Paul says, eat whatever is sold in the marketplace. Well, in a pagan society, any kind of meat, any kind of food is going to be sold in a pagan society. And this was in uh, Corinth, which was a huge pagan society. And he says, ask no questions for conscience sake. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. That means, hey guys, whatever food you want to eat, eat it. 
Enjoy it. God made that pig. God made that cow. God made that bird. Whatever. Eat the food. If you like the food, eat the food. Every food's all food's clean. And so why does Paul and Jesus tell us that pigs are now okay under the new covenant of Christ? Well, verse 5, our last verse of today. For it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. When we pray over our food, when Christians pray over our food, Lord, thank you for this meal. Please bless it to our bodies. Bible says, God says, all right, boom, that food's good for you. Eat it and enjoy it, and it's going to be healthy for you. Praise be the Lord. And uh, Jesus also says in Mark 7, 19 and 20, it's what's, it, that it's what comes out of a man that man, makes a man sinful, not what goes into a man. So, wow, a lot of sad information today. It surely was about all the false apostate teachings and churches that are in our world today. As I said earlier, the so-called Christian day of our, or Christian church of our day is in a real mess. And again, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't even mention all the churches that were apostate. And I didn't even talk to you today about all the false teachings of the churches that I told you about that were apostate. You see, once the devil gets some poison into a church, once the devil gets some messed up doctrine about Christ or God's word or whatever, he doesn't just stop with a little bit of a hair in there. Now, he wants the whole church. He wants everything they teach. He wants, he wants to corrupt everything that they believe. So a lot of the churches that I mentioned today, I just gave you the highlight, or I would call it the low light. I gave you the worst of the worst of their teaching that they really believe that really just highlights and you can see in the Bible and it's so easy, but there there's hundreds probably in each doctrine in each doctrine, each one of their teachings in each one of these churches, that's apostate. That's wrong. And if you did searching on your own and you really looked into these churches and you really knew your Bible well, you'd be able to see it too. But if I would have taught you all those things, we'd be running into next week's time because I wouldn't be able to do it in just an hour. The, but say this, I'll say this, the apostasy of the Christian church is running rampant in our day and age. And it's happening on a major scale, hence, like I said, the title, The Great Apostasy. And only a small remnant of churches, only a small remnant of God's church actually still remains on earth right now. Those who really stand on God's word for what it means in context only a small remnant of churches actually teach you the correct Jesus. And only a small remnant amount of churches really, really, really are safe to go to. Most have fallen away and are giving heed or are listening to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines or the teachings of the demons. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a very dangerous spiritual age. Very dangerous spiritual age. So... What's the danger in all of this apostasy in the Christian church anyway? I mean, what is it all? I mean, what does it matter? I would say, what does it all matter? That's a that's a good question that we could be asking ourselves today. Well, okay, Pastor Ed. So you know, we see it. Okay, but you know, so what? You know, I believe the Bible and I believe it my way, and you know, whatever they teach, and I'm just going to believe my way. Well, what's the danger of all these false teachings of all these apostate churches? Well, the danger is this. The danger of apostate teachings in regard to who Jesus Christ really is and the simple truths of the Bible is this. The false and apostate simple teachings of the Bible and who Christ really is lead people to a false hope. They lead people to a false salvation. They lead people to not get saved at all, to think I can just work my way into heaven. They lead people to believe in Jesus Christ as some other kind of figure. Imagine if you, each one of you went home to your families today and you said, man, I had this great guy talk to me today. You know, his name was Pastor Ed. And man, he taught a really good sermon. Oh, that's good, man. Well, tell us a little bit about him. Well, he's 5'2 and he's from Russia. And he spoke with this really thick accent and he, and he limped and, you know, and, and, uh, he, and, he, and in fact, you know, he didn't even really teach the Bible. He taught us, you know, about you know, the, the blue whales in the ocean. Well, you'd use my name, but you certainly wouldn't be describing to whoever you went home to me and what I actually did to you today. And so this person be thinking, well, I thought you went to church. What is this guy teaching you about blue whales and, 
you know, well, he, was he's limping? What, who, who cares about his accent? I mean, he, you'd learn more, about, you'd tell him more about me that wasn't right than what I actually did and said. They would, they're never going to want to come here. They're never, well, that's a, man, what kind of church is that? I never heard a church teach about blue whales. Holy camoly, right? Well, that's the danger of not teaching the correct Jesus Christ from the Bible. If we don't teach the true teachings of Jesus Christ and only the true teachings of the Bible and the true description of Jesus Christ as who he really is, which is, again, like I said, the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh, God's very own Son came down to the world, the one and only Jewish Messiah, the Christ, only he can save you. Only this one that's described in this book in plain, plain language. He's the only one that has the power to save you. And when you just put it as simply as you can, I'll say it like this. The true teachings of the Bible and who Jesus Christ really are for real are meant to lead people to salvation. For there's a power there from God that we can't see, but it's a power that God has there. And it's meant to lead people to salvation. And the false teachings of Christ in the Bible, simply they won't lead you to salvation. They won't lead you to have peace with God. And they won't save your soul from eternal damnation. And that's, there's no simpler way to put it. And what is the devil's main goal? How can we tell the devils in these churches, changing their teachings and changing who Jesus Christ is? How, do we, how can we tell? Well, the Bible says that the devil's, devil's main goal is to keep you and me and people from really knowing God through the person of Jesus Christ and getting saved. Misery loves company. The devil wants you to go to hell. He knows he's going to be there and he knows he's going to end up there forever. And what does he want? He wants you and me and every one of us to go there and be there with him. In effect, because God made you in his image, because that's what the Bible says, and since the devil hates God, God by, or the devil by righteous hates you because we are in the image of the very God of all creation. So the devil wants to destroy you while God wants to save you. And all his false teachings and the false teachings about Christ are meant to lead you to destruction, not to salvation. Where are you at today? And what kind of church do you go to today? Do you go to a church that teaches any of these false and apostate teachings, which makes it an apostate church? Do you? Uh, I know, obviously, the people in my church are going there because they come to where I teach the Bible just verse by verse, just the truth, just the Word of God, just simply. But I'm talking to you online, really. What kind of church do you go to? Do you go to a false apostate church? Do you go to a church that teaches all these apostate doctrines? If so, then as I said many times today, but I didn't say it this way, how do you know that you know the real Jesus Christ? How do you know that you're really saved? And how do you know that when you die, you're really going to go to heaven? Because if your church teaches these false teachings, how do you know they're really teaching you about the real biblical Jesus? And about what Jesus Christ really said to save you, really said that you had to do in order to be saved. Because only the real Christ of the real Bible can save you. No one else, no one that the apostate church teaches you can save you, no man-made Jesus, no Jesus the brother of Satan, no Jesus the archangel, none of those Jesuses can save your soul. One of the biggest false and apostate teachings of our day that I didn't talk about, and this, this goes into most, unfortunately, Protestant churches, is this lie. Just pray this prayer and just ask Jesus to come into your heart and you'll be saved. Well, did you know that there is not one verse in the Bible that backs up that statement? You won't find the Bible teach you that anywhere. Just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ loves you. You will not find that saying in this Bible. But do you know what the Bible really says about how someone gets saved? It's a scary spiritual environment we live in today with a majority of churches ruled and controlled by the devil and his fallen angels. And today, I'm going to go a little bit opposite of what I normally would do, but I'm not going to tell you how you can get saved today. And you, oh, that's, isn't that apostate? Oh my gosh. No, the Bible says God wants you to seek him. 
God wants you to seek him in his word. And when you seek him, and as you're seeking him, if you care about him, if you love him, and you ask him, God, I want to know who you are, would you, you know, show me who you are, then God says in his word that he'll do that. When I got saved 15 or 16 years ago, nobody led me through any kind of bogus prayer. I was an atheist, and I didn't go to church at all. Churches were all like I thought the Catholic churches, which had hurt me a lot when I was younger, and they had lied to me about who God really was. And I was angry at the world, and I hated everything, but I just knew, man, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not a God, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to seek him, and, you know, I'm going to see if he's real. And as I started reading the Bible for myself, with nobody filling my head with any of these doctrines or any of these bogus things that I read to you today, God slowly revealed himself to me, and he brought me to be saved. One day I came and God revealed himself to me in my room and God saved me. And ever since I've been a new man. But I will tell you this. If you go to one of these churches that teaches one of these false and apostate teachings that I mentioned today, then if you want to start getting right with God in Christ today, get out of them. Start devouring your Bible and forget everything this apostate church has taught you and start simply praying and asking God to forgive you of your ignorance and show you how to really have a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, the one of the Bible. And ask Him to reveal Himself to you and ask Him to reveal to you how to really be saved, how to really know Him through His Word. Not through some, oh, I heard this in my mind, or oh, I felt this in my spirit. No, how do you really get saved according to your word, Lord? I want to be saved, and I want to know you, but I don't know how to do that. The Bible says you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when you really come to know Jesus Christ, when you really come to to come to know him and come to be saved, the Bible says that it's kind of like if you're standing on a railroad track, And there's a big old freight train coming. And as you're standing there, this freight train's going 100 miles an hour, and you don't move, and that freight train hits you. Will you ever be the same? No. You'll never be the same. Well, the Bible says that when you come to know God, and you come to be born again, that you'll never be the same. God will change you, and he'll make you a new person. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creature. The old is gone, and the new has come. So I encourage you, and my plea to you today is this. Please, if you go to one of these churches or you believe any one of these false things that I just taught today, I just showed you simply in the Word. I wasn't, I'm not a scholar either. I'm just a simple Bible reader that hears from God and just reads God's Word plainly. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's no other way you could put that. And there's no other twist you can put on that. God loved the cosmos so that whoever, anybody, all people in all the world, if they believed in him, no matter who they are, they can get saved. So, today, if you are this person I'm talking to, and if you believe these false things, or if you're going to one of these apostate churches, get out and seek God with all your heart. Take God at his word. Jesus said, seek and you shall find Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you will receive. If you really seek God, he longs to reveal himself to you. If you really knock on the door of God's house, he he loves you. He's going to want to open that door. And if you really ask, you can receive. God will give you the desire that you desire of to know him. God will absolutely give that to you. And don't go to a man. And don't go to the false church. And don't go to whoever. Go to your Bible and read your Bible, and let God speak to you from the plain and simple truths of his word. If you really love God and if you really desire to know him, this is what you need to do. Please go now. And I'm going to pray to close our service, but then as I prayed earlier, don't just hear the words. You got to go do them. Don't just be a hearer of the things that I said. Be a doer. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you, Lord God, for although, Lord, you just showed me this just now in that split second, the often way you speak to me, Lord, just now you just showed me that although the church is in a great apostate right now, it's in a great falling way, your word is still light. 
David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Lord, if we just go to your word, no matter what we've been taught or no matter what lies we've been taught up to this point, if we just go to your word, Lord, you'll teach us and you'll show us the truth. So God, I just pray for those that are listening today. Lord, if they're not sure, they're not right, Lord, they're going to a false church, Lord God, that they would stop and get to your word and read their Bible and say, God, please reveal yourself to me, Lord. Please drive them to Christ. Drive drive them to the Bible, Lord, and that they may care and that they may want to seek you, Lord, to, to know for sure. Please, dear God, draw all men all over the world to yourself. And I ask and pray all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.